0: Welcome to the Hardwood Hustle powered by PGC Basketball. We believe in the value of a coach. We're here to educate, empower, and encourage you to lead like never before. This week, we discuss how to handle winning streaks and losing streaks as the leader of your program, including being consistent, what questions to ask, and finding teachable moments on either side. Before we start, a quick word from Mana Watsa. Coach, would you like to have a team full of great shooters next season? We've partnered with our friends at NOAA to bring to you the
1: Hoops app. A free app to help your players measure the trajectory and arc of their shot. They'll get immediate feedback after every make or miss so that they can course correct and become a better shooter faster. Have your players download the Hoops app at thehoopsapp.com forward slash PGC today so that you can have a team full of better shooters next season.
2: Welcome to the Hardwood Hustle today, me, Sam, and Lisa. Yes, Lisa is on with us. She's been busy in the middle of her season, University of Montana Women's Basketball, but she found time for us. Lisa, thanks for joining us.
0: It's great to be with you guys this morning. Yeah, we're going to
2: talk winning streaks, losing streaks, how to handle winning, how to handle losing, how do you keep those streaks going, how do you build upon them, You know, this is such an interesting topic because as we go through the season, obviously, I mean, anybody that's coached long enough, you've been on a winning streak. You've been on a losing streak. You've been on win one, lose one, win one, lose one. You know, you've been in any of those places, and we've all three definitely been there. And what is it? Like, what keeps your team going? I mean, I know some of it factors into how good you are, factors into opponents. A lot of things factor in. But also – I think that the mindset of a team, you know, like, you know, when a team feels good, like you've looked at a team and say, they're confident, they're playing good basketball, they're cohesive, you know, you just know when something's going good, you know, when the juice is right, vice versa, you know, when the juice isn't right, like you're just losing because of stupid things, like you just, games you could have won that you're losing, and so, What does that look like from a coach's perspective? Like, Such a big part of it is the mental game. And how do you keep players in the right mental space? Or how do you get them out of the wrong mental space? I think this is just such an interesting topic because I think so much rides on the mindset of a team. And specifically, you know, individual players, the coach's mindset. So guys, let's dive into how can coaches help their team? be in the right mindset so that they can go on win streaks. They can go on losing streaks. Uh, Get out of losing streaks, I should say. I want to get your thoughts on that, guys. So, Lisa, let me start with you. You know, I know you guys have been a little bit of both, some up, some down, but you've coached long enough to be in both of these places right here. What are some of the things coaches should be thinking about to help their team go on a winning streak or to get out of a losing streak?
0: I think a big part of – just how you approach each day is your belief and so do you believe you can make the shots that you're going to get in the next game do you believe in your strategy do you believe in your teammates do you believe um that you're in the right place at the right time like all those things i think just fuel um it's in, and it's in intangible but you you can watch your practice and when you see your best players taking lackadaisical shots or not shooting with belief or missing so many they're missing shot after shot and that's just not who they are I think you stop it and you say no shoot it again shoot it right we talk a lot about just playing right and how that leads to the results that you want and so it's part of the process but playing right is a lot about mentality um a lot about being just going after it and not being afraid of losing not being afraid of failing um and and taking it to your opponent aggressively like all those things i think can fuel your belief and fuel just your day-to-day approach that can build upon itself and you know get you that result whether it's the first next game or the game after like you i mean and it's not even fun if you don't play with that belief right like you you have to have that as the foundation
2: yeah and it's really easy to get out of that belief i mean I've been in all of these situations and I think about um, one thing you said there was like going after winning not playing with fear I think one of my least enjoyable times in coaching has been expecting to win and playing not to lose you know I think that can really take the joy out of it for a coach and for players you know I think winning is something that you go after and when you see a team that's hungry and they're trying to go win not be like I think we should win this one and They play cautious and they don't go after winning, they lose one they shouldn't. That can creep into a losing streak or into winning streak because you start playing from a different mindset. Sam, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, what are keys to getting teams in the right mindset?
1: You know, when I think about this, TJ and Lisa, I think about consistency and message. Like coaches, are you consistent in your message? Number one. Number two, evaluating your team. You know, knowing like reading the room like the, what does your team need? the only way to really know what your team needs and to you know improve their mindset is to evaluate them. It could be you know sometimes it's an X's and O's thing like are we doing the right thing like you TJ've had to adjust and you're playing heavy guard lineup so how you how you thought you were gonna play in you know August September is different than how you're playing in January right? but if you're still trying to play the same way, you're you're trying to fit a square peg into a round hole, and it's not going to work. And then I think the last thing, just an opening thought here, is sometimes it could be a player or two. Oftentimes, your better player who might be off a little bit. I think Lisa alluded to that a little bit. Um, but like if one of your top players isn't is off, maybe something's going on personally. Maybe they're not playing with confidence on the court you know, having individual conversations and making sure you help get them right mentally. So those are the three things, the consistency in your message, evaluating your team, and then, you know, being aware of your individual players and and how they are mentally.
2: Let me talk about that for a second, consistency of message. I think it's really interesting. You know, I think there's coaches that are super consistent, win, lose, whatever. Like some people believe that's good for a team. You know, I, the other side of it is like, hey, we're on a winning streak, coach, like we just lost our last game. So you're going in on them harder. And then we lost one and pull back a little bit and be positive. You know, I, there's just a lot of mind games to play. And I think from a coach's standpoint, it's really, really hard to figure out, you know, what is the mentality that I bring to either keep the streak going or get them out of a bad streak? So I think the heartbeat of a team is a really important thing. Like where is your team physically, mentally systems and strategies, the X's and O's like, how are they doing with those things? Like the best coaches I know have the heartbeat of the team. And I think that's a really hard thing to do, but how do we get that? I'd love to get y'all's thoughts on that. Like, how do you get the heartbeat of the team? Cause I think there's a lot of coaches that just, they don't know. They, they just, they just kind of do what they've always done and they just keep going but they don't adjust. And how much adjusting is too much adjusting? Uh, So that's a loaded question. I got a lot. How do you feel the heartbeat of the team? How much is over adjusting versus adjusting? Should you be consistent? Like all of those things are things I think we struggle with as coaches. Can we put some parameters around that or some direction around that for coaches?
1: Well, you, TJ, you and and Lisa are good at talking about your feelings, so I'm going to let you guys take the lead on the heartbeat piece. I'm not very good at that.
2: It is nice to have feelings. Sam's a little bit like a robot and we're not sure that he actually has feelings. And so, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I I think feelings factor in a lot. I mean, I think we're human beings and I I think honestly, probably factor in a lot more than they did 10, 20, 30 years ago. When I think that people were better at just compartmentalizing and just saying, I'm just playing basketball. This is my job. Here's what I got to do. I do think feelings factor in, I think we see this in the transfer portal and high school kids transferring a lot. I think we see it in um you know just a fluctuation of a playing time versus not playing time, and I'm not saying it's wrong. I mean, I just think kids think about this a lot more than they used to think about it, and so I think being able to manage the emotions and the feelings of players is a part of the job these days and I, you know the the list of jobs we've talked about this it just piles up for coaches you know you got to be a psychologist, you've got to be a counselor, you've got to be a lawyer, you got like all of these things. It is really hard to be a basketball coach, but those things I think do factor in.
0: Yeah, I was, it's, yeah, I just think about the player relationships. You know, if you, if you know more about a player and your assistant coaches are connected, they can give you some of those hints of what might be going on, what they're thinking about, um, conversations that they're having during the game with you, you know, on the bench. And, in practice, um, in the office, whatever those are, they give you just little clues along the way of like, how are these players doing? Who's what's this player's mindset? Has has, you know, somebody mailed it in and they're not really feeling it and they're they're not even trying? Or um is your senior like worried about just the results because it's their last year and they got nothing else, you know, to think about, but this, you know, I want this result. And so they're not even focused on the process and helping the younger kids. And so that's just a really big part of it. But I also think there's one thing to be careful careful of, of not putting too much into it. You know, like, okay, so-and-so feels bad. Well, help them get past that. Help them to work through that, not sit in it. Um, and then I think the other piece is what well, you talked about, like, adjusting too much. I think you as a leader have to be consistent so that people – know what to expect. It's part of the routine. It's part of showing up every day. It's part of your approach. Um, but there are things that you have to look for. You know, we changed our lineup and won two games. Now, did we win two games? Could we change the lineup or starting lineup? That was part of it. That was part of the energy that we brought in our starts of our games and and all those things. And that's a big change. I think state changing your starters is a big change. And strategy-wise, maybe what you're running with that group. So I think little tweaks, but they're all within what you do, right? It's not like bringing in a new player or it's not um, changing our tactics completely, but they're little shifts because again, I, it feels the belief that you have of, okay, we're, this is why what we're going to do. This is why we're doing it. And this is how we're going to stay within our stuff, but put people in positions to be successful.
2: Yeah. You know, I think and this might be a little bit of a <clears throat> interesting statement but I think you should be consistent and inconsistent. And let me tell you what I mean by that. Like I think there's things that you should be consistent with that your team knows or all the time and I think coaches often relate that to basketball like we should do the shell drill at the beginning of every practice. We should do 20 minutes of shooting. We should do what and I think coaches think of that as consistency. I actually don't even like that type of consistency because the season is long and I think there should be some variation. Like I think our players don't ever know what to expect coming into practice. And I like that. I like that they show up each day and they're unsure of what's about to happen. It could be something completely different because I think that's the game of basketball. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know who's going to show up. You don't know what that team's going to do. So I really like being inconsistent in our practice approach. I know that sounds weird, but I really I think it's a keeps it fresh, keeps it in, the energy good. I think there are some things you should be consistent about. When we talked about like behavior and uh, just habits that you value, things like that, I think those things should be consistent. And an example of that is Pete Carroll at the Seattle Seahawks. I remember one of our friends, Brad Soucy, was with uh, University of Virginia and Liberty for a long time. I went out and watched them, and I was asking him about some of the things that he saw. And one of the things that he really liked is, you know, before or after each game, when they went in to watch film, I don't know if that's on Monday, Tuesday, whatever, they go in to watch film and they started every film session with highlights of the game. And it was like 10 to 15 clips or whatever, great hits, great passes, great runs, whatever. And whether they win or they lost, there was going to be some great plays made and they were going to celebrate those, right? So that was something that was consistent. And I think that plays into building the psyche of your team. And I like, for instance, um, at the end of practice, a lot of times or in film sessions, we start it with celebrations, like celebrating what other players have done well. Like if you only celebrate when you win and you don't celebrate when you lose, that sends a message. And when you celebrate whether things are going wrong or whether things are going well, that also sends a message. And so I think there's certain things like that whether it's like player meetings, you know, once a week for, you know, we do seven minutes or whatever, like just quick check-ins, and then we do some longer meetings. I I think there should be some consistency in your approach to the way you treat people, consistency in your way, the way you talk to people, relate to people, celebrate people, coach people. Like there should be some consistency there. But I think there should be some inconsistency in a lot of the other things that you do. And I know – um, that it sounds like I'm, I'm going out both ends, but if the reality of it is, I think that they both serve their purpose, consistency and knowing that it, it looks th- like, liking you know, like this parents, right? Like if you're parenting, I think there is some level of safety in knowing that your parents are consistent in what they do. Not that they don't get mad, not that they don't get happy, not that they don't do whatever, but at the end of the day, they're fair and they're consistent with you. That's important. But do you want every day to be like a drill sergeant as a kid? Get up, make your bed, go to school, come home, do your workout. Da, da, da. Like, I think that burns people out. And I think the same in coaching. I, I feel like there should be inconsistent things you do and consistent things you do.
1: I think it's a great point, DJ. I think that was well said. And I do want to build off that. And, you know, you brought up the Tony Bennett thing. By the way, if you haven't heard our Hardwood Hustle interview with him, go back and listen. But yeah, you know, that, that, moment when they got beat as a number one seed first time and only time ever I remember watching that game and thinking gosh he needs to change his style of play you know they they allow other teams to stay with them because they're methodical and half court and it's like he needs to look at opening it up a little bit trying to create more transition I was thinking more system and straight and then you hear him in an interview after the game Talk about being gr- so graceful in that defeat. I would imagine Tony Bennett on a day-to-day basis is so consistent with, to your point, to his approach with players. But I do think it's really hard as a coach to know when to shake things up and when to stay the course. And like Lisa, you brought it up, is like you won two games, you changed up your starting lineup, and then most coaches would say, yep, yeah, that was it. The starting lineup is what what did it. And TJ and I talked about this. I think even on our last show was like, that's resulting sometimes. Like we have a result and then we just assume it. We, we go back and that we assume the cause was that result when it could have been something else. It could have been coincidence, could have been, but that, that is, I think the hard part about coaching to identify when to shake it up or to keep on this theme, when to be inconsistent, when to be consistent and that that goes back to me. What I think we're all saying: you got to read the room, you got to know your players, you got to know your team, um, you got to know feelings. I think all those things got to be true.
0: Well, does this come with time? Like, you know, I was just talking to a high school coach recently, and we were talking about what they were doing on the court. And he was like, "Oh yeah, my he's his fifth year. He's like, my first couple years I was so complicated, and I had all these things I wanted to do. And he's like, now I just keep it simple." And so it's one of those things that we learn by doing. I don't know, like maybe TJ, you could speak to this, but like, is this feel, is this decision-making, is this when to mix it up, kind of come through trial and error a little bit. Oh, but one time I changed it up and that was wrong. Or can you learn through you know other people's mistakes or is it just like just doing the best with the information you have every single time you have to make a decision like this?
2: Yeah, you know... <clears throat> Gosh, and I think this. my answer would be different both on the court and off the court and like the way you, you do things, your intangibles and your tangibles. But I think sometimes we ask ourselves the wrong questions. I think a key to really good coaching is asking yourself the right questions. And, you know, let me give an example. I think it's helpful for coaches when you, when you maybe hear some examples. But when you're looking at your offense, for example, What is what is the most important thing that you're trying to figure out? And for me, it's this shot generation. Are we generating good shots? And it's very easy to go watch and you're missing a lot of shots, but you're generating good ones and just be like kind of like Sam said, resulting. We got to do something different. Same thing like defensively, you're looking at, at your defensive team and you have these issues and you have these problems and, and are you asking yourself the right questions? Like what's hurting us the most? You know, for us, it was uh rim protection. We weren't, we don't have, we lost our base. We don't have a lot of rim protection. And I'm not asking myself, do we just change our defense total? I am, I am asking, do we change our defense totally? Are there adjustments we can make? Is it, well, it's subtle things. Like we decided to get a little bit better at guarding the ball and that's like working on putting a little bit more help in the lanes, giving a little bit more space to a shooter, living with something different rather than just saying we don't have rim protection, right? So what we're, we're trying to do, looking at the X's and O's stuff, is ask the right questions like, why is the other team generating good shots against us? Why are we not generating good shots? And then trying to solve those problems versus looking at the results of, you know, they got a bucket or we're not making shots or we're not doing. Now off the court, I think it's a little different. You know, I think off the court, I think there's a healthy balance of, uh, you know, to me, what's, let me ask you before I answer this question, what do you want the feel of your team to be? I think it's a great question to ask coaches. What do you want the feel of your team to be? What's prime state of feel for your team?
1: Um, I would think of these couple words as two C words, connected and confident. Wanting to feel connected. Like when they walk out there, we're hand in hand. We're like, you know, locking arms and we're, we're in this thing together. Um, and we believe and trust each other. And then that we're a confident group. We're confident in the individually, confident collectively. And I think if you, Again, I guess just me, but if those two things are happening, we're in a pretty healthy place. Yeah. Lisa, what about you?
0: I I really like those two. If I could add one, maybe just something about being able to play free. And just, I know a lot of players really want that because they have so much going on in their head. Like just freedom to take the shot, freedom to play hard, um, to know, you know, how to win, you know, be in the right spot. Like, so that again, it fuels that, feels that confidence of um, we can do this and I can do this. And so I think to play free rather than, you know, paralyzed or handicapped or anxious, which some players unfortunately feel too much of or afraid to make a mistake because they don't want to come out, all that, all those things. So just, I like the connected and confident and and free.
2: Yeah. So I think those are all good answers. And one of the things when I think about a team, like, what do I want late in the season? You know, especially in the last two months of the season, like more than anything, I want them to be there. Like, I want them to want to be in the gym. I want them to want to keep playing. I want them to be excited about practice and games and whatever. I want them because I think if they're connected, they want to be there. I think if they, you know, they feel freedom, like all the words y'all just described. They want to be there if they feel boxed in, if they feel like they can't do anything, if they feel not connected, if they feel lack of confidence, if they feel a lot of those things are the reasons players don't want to be there. And it doesn't matter what age it is, middle school, high school, college, whatever. And so for me, the feeling that I want to create in, in January and February, which is the last two months of our season, is a feeling of wanting to be there and i think another word that goes along with that is joy you know like they there's a little bit of excitement they're having fun you know all those kind of things but the reality of that is it's such a, a fine line and this is where i think it's hard for coaches because at least i'll go back to the one you you use but they want to be free right well with great freedom comes great responsibility and there's a reality to 14 to 24 year olds or whatever age it might be that everybody wants freedom not everybody wants responsibility. And so to get your team, like there's some times in November and October and December where, man, they they might not have complete joy coming to the gym. They might feel like I've got the, the clamps down on them. They might feel like, because I want them to have freedom, but they first have to be able to be responsible. And same thing with being connected. You know, like, I think this is where cultures fail a little bit. You know, we go in, we go bowling, we eat some pizza, and we want everybody to be connected. But if a team's really connected, they're going to have to get through some stuff. They're going to have to go through some adversity. They're going to have to have some vulnerability. You're going to have to really work for them to be connected. Not every team – actually, most teams don't just like each other because they like each other. There's a lot of things that go into that. How does the last player on the bench feel when they're not getting time? They're in some feelings, right? And you could go up and down the roster like everybody's got some feelings how do they feel connected how do they feel important and because if they don't feel connected important that affects the team we you know we face that every single year and so i think what coaches need to know one is ask yourself that question what do i want my team to feel like you know what i want them to look like on a daily basis two how do i get them there so it's authentic and real not fake you know how do i not how do I, you know yeah you could probably produce a little bit of joy on a daily basis if you cancel practice and play volleyball and everyone has fun that day but the next day they go back to not having joy. And so if it's real joy, then it's work. If it's real connectiveness, it's work. And so I think getting them to those spots is the hardest things for coaches to do because of what comes along with it. It's messy. It's not pretty. It's ugly. Like we've talked about before, it's like a family, right? Like they love each other. They want to do well for each other, They want to, do it, but it's not always pretty. And there is a lot of work that goes into that.
1: And I w- I would add, and I'd like to hear you guys' thoughts on this. Like, so to your point, TJ, if we're going to be connected, not not just when we eat pizza or go bowling or watch a movie, of course, everybody feels good. But in those moments of tough times, you just had a heartbreaker loss. You're on a three-game losing streak. You know your six, seven, eighth man or woman don't feel good about their role in their minutes. So when those happen, and I just went through this with one of the teams I'm coaching, kids, young adults, oftentimes don't know how to work through those adverse times. Maybe even coaches, the ones coaching them. Maybe sometimes we don't know how to work through strife and and challenges in our own marriages or relationships. So like now we're trying to get a team to do that. I guess my question to y'all is, How do you approach? How do you get your kids to look at adversity as maybe a good thing, as challenge, as maybe a even a a valley? as where in the valley is where we begin to climb the mountain or the hill again, and that's where the the strength togetherness comes. I guess yeah. Does that make sense? What I'm I'm asking? How are you framing it out? How are you teaching your players uh, to know how to work through that? That's real. That we're getting into some real psychology. Putting that that doctor hat on,
0: yeah. There's a video. I think it's from a podcast with Jocko. Do you guys know who he is? um And he he talks. It's called Good. And he go, He's talking about you know being leading somebody underneath him and and the guy coming to him and complaining. And he just talks about oh, didn't it get the promotion you wanted. Good. Didn't it get the new gear that we needed. Good. Like all these things. And I I showed it to a player recently because. I think it's approaching the challenge of life, the challenge of uh, basketball. I mean, that's all, all these things like it's supposed to be hard because it's going to build something in us and grow something in us. And that challenge is going to take us somewhere that we and be, help us become the person that we wouldn't be able to be able to come otherwise. And so it's a it's a real mentality thing to face it, to be excited about it. Um, and it's and that's not easy um, to see, you know, whether it's feedback is a gift, you know, I've said that before. But the challenge is a gift, and as a leader, we have to model that. So if we run from it and we get anxious or we get defeated, um, deflated, discouraged, how the, are our people around us going to feel? And so we kind of feed off of each other in that. And so I, I just one thing that I would say is just to face it head on, to call it out just, you know, to not avoid it, to not, you know, it's not, it's that we talk about it. It's that we approach it and we talk about who we want to be in the midst of it um, and stay true to like TJ was talking about the things that we're going to be consistent in. Hey, this is the time where we have to stay consistent in those things.
2: Yeah. And I would say this, it starts with you as the leader, right? I mean, because first examine yourself. I mean, I, I really think that a lot of coaches in adversity, don't show up how they want to show up, even though we've watched the videos, we hear these people talk, like we know the right things. I just don't think most leaders show up the way that they want to in those moments. And how do you, how do you show up in those moments? For me, one of the, the biggest things that you can do is understand that there are a thousand teachable moments a day. And you got to pick and choose the right ones. But you have to be available, willing, ready, prepared to teach those things. So when you're in a winning streak, it's easy to feel like don't say anything, don't do anything. Let's just keep writing. But there's a whole bunch of teachable moments when things are going well. And obviously, there's a ton of teachable moments when things aren't going well. But let's just dissect that for a second when we we're talking about going through this and having the right mentality, being mentally tough, being consistent, being whatever. Here's my, here's my experience. That's not natural to most people, much, much, much less most young people, right? I mean, they're very results oriented. They're very image conscious. And so when we're winning, we feel good. When I'm playing good, we, I feel good. When we, right? And when we're losing, we feel bad. When I'm not playing well, I feel bad. Like that's, that's the natural instinct of most human beings is to react in a way according to results. Now, we as coaches, we can tell ourselves, you know, let's be like Tony Bennett. Let's lose a game in the first round and tell the world that, hey, listen, This is adversity. We've got to grow from it. We don't play again for another four or five months, but hey, that's okay. We're gonna like, that's just crazy hard to do. Most of us couldn't do that. Right. And then for us to expect that out of young people, that's really crazy because they're embarrassed they lost. They're disappointed. They're probably thinking about transferring. They're thinking coach's style sucks. They're going like that. That's just their natural reaction to all of that stuff. So first it takes, it takes a really strong belief and conviction in who you are, what you stand for, what's important, what you're trying to impart on young people. And you have to be steadfast in that. And that is hard for old people to do, you know, much less young people, really hard for old people to do. And and when I say old, I just mean people that have been through it, that are coaches probably. You could be 25, you could be 55, you could be 75, just older than the players, right? Like it's hard to do. And so I, I really think it comes down to deciding before it all happens who you're going to be, what you value, what you're going to stand for, what you're working for. And when the moment you don't know that, you're going to be just like players and you're going to fall victim to every other feeling that you have.
0: Yeah, TJ, I just I think that's just so it's it's really good because um, I've seen it. I have felt it this year and i felt the the questioning the discouragement the do i know what i'm doing do we know what we're doing and um and for young people especially some of them they haven't been through hard stuff yet they this is their first go around of feeling it especially at college if these kids have been the best players on their team and gone to state every year they're coming to college and, and they they don't know they they haven't been through this and so this is like our this is our opportunity i think you know dustin said it when he was on of how is our response going to defect affect their long-term development and if we're doing that we're doing this for impact and transformation and, and making a positive impact leaving them better than we found them then we have to keep that perspective and dig deep within ourselves and if we're wavering if we're questioning i think that's a good opportunity for us to We've talked about it before. Dig our well deeper, and 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 get the things and people around us that will help us stay steadfast and and live with the result. You know, whatever that is. It doesn't go well. We can at least be proud of the way we responded. We can be confident that we gave it our best shot and in staying true to ourselves.
1: Yeah, I was at a game recently, watching a a high school game, and um. Just watching a coach coach his team, and I saw a coach that was defeated, deflated, um, hasn't had a good season, almost like he had lost all self-confidence, all belief, uh, and quite frankly, fight. His team played with no fight. Uh, Looked like his players, you know, I think like him. I didn't see a lot of like stripe, but it looked like a, a team with no passion, no heartbeat, nothing. And I, I think that's an important point. Like TJ, you said, be convicted, you know, so when you, you feel down and out as a coach, do you guys think you fake it till you make it or do you like, where do you deep down rile up that confidence and that still conviction and belief? Um, yeah. How do you, where do you find it?
2: You know, three things come to mind for me and, in, in all of this, like, How do you handle all that? To me, the first thing is authenticity. You know, I'm not Joel Osteen or John Gordon or, you know, people like that. It's just not my personality. Like, I think I'm just more of a middle line realist. I am positive with my team and I am also hard on my team. Like, I'm both of those things and I'm managing both those things. But I'm not the guy after we lose is going to walk in the locker room. Dang it. If we knock down seven more 50 footers, we're going to win next time, guys. Don't worry. I think we can knock down those 50 footers. Like that's not that's not who I am, right? And so I think for me, I got to be authentic to who I am as every coach has to be authentic to the who they are. Two, I think you have to be transparent. You know what I mean? Like you can't hide from things. You've got to talk about what things are hard, what struggles you have, you got to talk about what's going wrong, what's going right. You know, I think – and three, I think you have to be vulnerable, you know. I, I think that we're in a um, – in, in a sport in gen- – in sports in general, I think there's oftentimes a wall, you know, like it's not my fault, it's your fault, I don't have the players, they're not good enough. You know, I, I think that we try and find reasons rather – that things aren't going the way they, they should be going rather than find solutions. And I think what is the main thing that gets in the way of us finding solutions – is that we don't humble ourselves and just really seek out the best for everybody involved because our pride gets in the way and that's natural. And the last thing I would say is this is you're not going to fix things in a game. It's all the work behind the scenes that helps you fix things, right? I mean, if you want to fix the mentality, the fight, the, you do that in conversations, you do that in practice, you do that in even text messages between you and your players. You do that like it, like all of the be- behind the scenes work, and it's not going to fix itself in a game. And the other, last thing I would say is this: is really seeking out like your your deepest problems, because Sam, before that team can fix anything X's and O's that you were referring to, it sounds like they got to fix some things inside. And I think a lot of times as coaches, sometimes we just Go to what can we fix on the peripheral? What can we fix X's and O's wise? But there's a time you need to look at your team and say, listen, this is an inside job first. Now, maybe we can fix some things X's and O's, but we all know that a team, whether they win, lose or whatever, the goal is for help them achieve as much as they possibly can. And they're not going to do that if things aren't right inside.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, in that situation I was referring to, yeah, I don't think at all it's a um – it's an X and O thing. It's, it is a feeling thing. And yeah, I think, I think those are good TJ. Like you said, be authentic, be real, be vulnerable, you know, be willing to step into those tough conversations and you know, your, your kids need you remind yourself, you know, I've always, or I believe strongly like in times where you're frustrated or depleted or defeated, defeated, get back to your why, know your purpose, know your bigger, what's, what's driving the engine for you and let that get you through the times. And I actually, last thing you hear coaches say this, Hey, we just need to get a win under our belt. You know, have you ever said that? Like, Hey, just, we need to get a win and get going. And I, okay, that that's good. But you know, there's still the issues. If you know, winning doesn't cure it, you might've just won because the other team wasn't good that day. Right. So, Winning, we all want to win, but you got to dig into the real core things going on with your team if you're gonna win the long game.
2: Yeah, last thing I would say is this <clears throat> they you know, I want to have fun coaching. And I, I sat down in the offseason with my my best player and I said, Man, I just want this season to be fun. And I think a lot of times coaches go into the season hoping that there won't be adversity. Things won't go wrong. Players will like each other. Everybody's going to like their role. We're going to win a lot of games. And, you know, I think many years ago, I just surrendered to the fact that there's going to be a lot of hard stuff. There's just going to be a lot of turmoil. There's going to be a lot of unhappiness. There's going to be – there's just – you just surrender to that and control what you can control. And, and my my player asked me this, you know, a few weeks back. He says, are you having fun? And it was just a really good reminder to me. I'm like – ah, kind of, you know what I mean? Like I'm, you're kind of having fun. Like, and he's like, we got to have fun. And you're right. You know, like we're in some adversity, figuring some things out, like trying to get through some stuff. And obviously that's not fun, but I committed to having fun. And I think it's really helpful when you know what you're committed to. And it was really helpful for me to tell him that's what I wanted to be committed to this year was having fun. Because most of us will have fun when everything's going our way right? But that doesn't happen a lot in sports. Like things don't just go your way. Like it's, it's really hard. It's really messy. It's really tough, but we have to get back to the things that we can control and the things that we're committed to. And I think that's important. And I do really believe that will play out on your players. I really think that will shine through to them. I think that will help them be consistent, you know, in doing that. But what we signed up for in coaching is tough, you know, kudos to all the coaches out there, middle school, high school, college, end of season right now, or you're about to start travel ball or whatever it might be, like what you do is super valuable. I know we say that a lot, but probably enough people don't tell you, thank you. You know, thank you for going through this with young people. Thank you for helping them through these problems. Thank you for uh, continuing to build into them. Thank you. Like, thank you for what you're doing, because what you do, I mean, it really does matter. It really, really does matter. And we know how hard it can be. I mean, we all three under here coach. We get down We get late nights, we get frustrated, we have hundreds of talks every year, we go through this. And at the end of the season, you ask yourself, do I want to do this again? Because it's really stinking hard. You know what I mean? Like, do I want to do this? And I I really want to just encourage coaches like, hey, because it's hard, probably means you're doing some things well. If it's not hard, you're probably not diving into the stuff that you should be diving into. So, hey, coaches, hope that episode helped you. Uh, really glad Lisa joined us today. I know she's off to practice here in a, in a minute and uh, hope her rest of her season goes well. And so, hey, she is Lisa. He is Sam. I am TJ. And we are the Hardwood
0: thanks again for tuning into this episode of the hardwood hustle where we believe in the value of a coach be sure to check us out on twitter and instagram at hardwood hustle to stay up to date on the latest episodes and share your thoughts with our coaching community from the hardwood hustle team thanks again we can't wait to be with you again next week